Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Welcome back to the ladies' room. <laughs> that was the weirdest intro so far. I, I'm just trying to find the one that really, I don't know, mixes it up, makes it sing, makes it sound slightly different from week to week. You know that I don't like to do anything the same for a really long time. I know, but that wasn't a win. I'm just saying. All right. Well, we'll, we'll add that to the pile of shitty pots. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> every, every once in a while when I do something really crappy and you're like, well, 50 pots, for those of you who don't know, the idea that you just make enough quantity and you'll get quality but eventually there has to be something that goes in the good pot pile <laughs> like eventually you're supposed to get good at it i don't know if our last few podcasts represent that happening no all, they're they are bad pot. Okay. <laughs> so lynn will not allow us to continue the rando ranting about women in the workplace until we have a divergent a divergence we have I, to step over here and do something else momentarily. I don't know that that's how I would have put it. Frame it up. Lynn will not allow us. I, John I mean. hates that. That is like, if I ever say John won't let me do that, he kind of loses his mind. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> I like putting you in the mommy role. It's reminded me of um, a good friend of mine whose husband is very well read. And he's so well read. She doesn't read as much as he does. And so she always goes to him for book recommendations because he's, he's just really, he's one of those people, right? Who just knows if you say to him, I want a book about blah, blah, blah. He always has a great recommendation. Like a librarian. Yeah. So he, she said one time, I only read what he tells me to read. <laughs> and <laughs> it came across way more controlling than he is as a right. husband. And so we joke about that constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay. So it's not about me not allowing, but I went back and listened to the last couple bad pots. Um, and I realized that there's a missing element, which I think actually we have talked about on the podcast before, but I don't remember, which is um, this idea of kinds of influence, the way to influence things. And I thought it would be interesting if we had a conversation just about that book influencer, which apparently you don't remember based on the conversation we were having right before the podcast. Um, <laughs> because I think it would give us like, I don't know, like a, like a wardrobe to hang the conversations inside of like a way to kind of organize the conversations, like a, a, a useful context. I hate sounding like that, like some kind of half-assed college professor, but um, it would get, just give us hooks to say, oh, well, when you're talking about that, it sounds like it's this kind of influence and maybe we should, you know, bring in another one like that. Yes. Okay. Sens sensical, nonsensical. That part made sense. So go ahead. Okay. I was just going to start talking about the book, but did you have a thought or a comment? That I just wanted to you? say that both of us read this book like a long, a long time ago. I mean, years ago, right? Probably five years at least. Don't you think? I think so the first time around yeah and I was like obsessed with it and then when you read it 
I was like, I don't know if it was the same book we read because you read in such a different way than I do. I was basically listening as a galvanizer, like, look at all the stuff I could get people to do and look at how I can best get people off their ass and light them on fire. And you were like, look at all this strategy and interesting stuff and all the smart things here. It's kind of the same. But this was one of those books that when I listened to it, I listened to it on audio True. and I totally missed the point of the book. When I first listened to it, it was just like a whole bunch of really interesting anecdotal stories about like lowering HIV by getting prostitutes to teach people to use condoms and like some kind of parasitic worm, getting rid of a parasitic worm and like running a good restaurant, all these different really great anecdotal stories. And then towards the end of the book, I'm like, wait there's some kind of structure here that I think I missed. And then I went and looked up some infographics and realized, oh, he actually has this whole um, matrix where he talks about the six kinds of influence. And all of the stories were just anecdotes about using certain kinds of influence to make it make more sense. Um, So I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about the, so the book is called Influencer. And it's by Carrie Patterson, Joseph Graney, David Maxfield, Ron McMillan, and Al Switzler. I think that's how you say it, Al Switzler. Um, and it's available where, where books are sold. It has a green cover because there's lots of books with the word influencer in the title. But mm-hmm. we're talking specifically influencer. And the subtitle is The New Science of Leading Change. So, and I think everyone in the world should read this book and I should listen to it again very soon. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, and you know what? I, when I looked up this infographic, there is a, the ability to get a full 14-page summary on this website with the infographic. So maybe we should also look into that bit of information as well. <laughs> <laughs> the infographic is good. And I did look at um, Optimize, the Brian Johnson you know, version of this. And he does have, he does have a, what does he call him? Uh, philosopher uh, note. note on this book. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it would be if we really wanted to sound smart, we would have brushed up just a little more before this call, but at least Lynn's brain can store like 800 random things about everything she's ever come in contact with. So we'll also get a lot out of this podcast. Well, and I mean, this is how I do everything, right? Like I read this a long time ago and then I just looked up a prompt. <laughs> so I'm sitting here in <laughs> front of a website that reminds me what I read. I'm like, oh, right. Um, so it's not coming totally out of my memory to be fair. I looked Um, at the same prompt and I was like, I don't know if I read that book, but I, (laughs) (laughs) but once I read the little blurbs, I'm like, yep, that's, I did read that. So that's the book I read. (laughs) Um, so he has, or I say he, but it's really they, um, they have, there's two main, I guess, theses in the book, um, which is there's three keys to becoming an influencer. And then one of the keys is um, goes into another thesis that there's six sources of influence and what they are. So kind of overlapping. Um, so the three keys to influencing change, according to this book, are the first one is you have to focus and measure. So you have to choose an outcome when you're going to achieve it and how you're going to measure it. So one of the examples they give is, um, if I remember from the book, there was something about a hospital, like they wanted to reduce um, deaths from, from medical errors. And they picked something super specific, like we will have, I'm, I'm not going to get the numbers right, but it was something like we will have 5,000 fewer deaths 
by December 12th, this date, you know, 11 a.m., something really, really specific. Um, so they suggest that you focus and then decide what you're going to measure. How are you going to measure it and to measure really frequently um, and to figure out how to measure the right things. So number one, when you want to influence something, and the reason we're talking about this is we started talking about women entrepreneurship and we were kind of all over the place. Um, because you hate women and I like rabbit holes. I think it was the two problems. <laughs> I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that on the podcast. You're a horrible bitch. <laughs> and, well, you only say that because you hate women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sad face. I mean, to be fair, you think everyone is a bad tomato. So it's not just, there's nothing sexist. Just people. hate every, everybody. <laughs> hate everybody. Aww. Women are people and I hate people. So um, we were talking about women in entrepreneurship and, and I think bringing this influencer conversation to that conversation will give us more context to keep us on track and also bring like a texture and a depth that, that give it so much more dimension. This will sound yes. so much smarter if you listen to it on two times speed. So please everyone increase speed the- this one up. Speed this one up. Anyway, so the first thing is focus and measure. So um, I know I don't want to talk about the, we agreed not to talk about the next entrepreneurship topic, but let's at least bring it in. So like in this example, um, to focus and measure, we might say um, our goal is to have 20,000 women entrepreneurs making $100,000 or more in their business by December 24th, 2023 at 1 p.m., something like that um, okay. would be the, the specific goal. And then the way we would measure it would be um, like looking at quarterly incomes or looking at projected revenues or some like in that specific one, we would probably be measuring, um, well, we would be measuring the, the lag measure of the money they're making, but we would probably also be measuring like the number of offers they're making and how much marketing they're doing or something we would have to come up with some kind of, um, okay, let me gather my thoughts because measuring what they're making is probably actually a shitty measure according to the influencer book, because you want to measure something that's going to drive behavior. So what we might measure is like how many customers they're getting in front of, or how many offers they're making, or how many pitches to publishers or whatever, you know, whatever would be an income generating activity for the specific entrepreneur, right? Yep. So that's number one, focus and measure. Do you want to say anything about focus and measure? Well, all I was thinking, which probably nobody else was thinking, but I'll just be the one to say it is this definitely is a metric for measuring change, like how we would, like how change would come about, but I'm not sure how this measures the conversation that we're having, like about what there is to do necessarily but influencer is like the book influence is all on the court influencer is all on the court yeah I thought so I don't want to use influencer to measure our conversation I want to use the lingo and the things they talk about just so we could say well when we talk about the six kinds of influence it'll be a lot more clear like oh it sounds like in order to get our desired goal of 20,000 women entrepreneurs blah 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 we need to increase, you know, this influence strategy, for example. Yep. Yeah. So that's focus and measure. The next one is to identify vital behaviors. And I think this one will be really relevant to what we're talking about in your conversation. Um, 
because that's where you identify, like, if we can get people to change these two or three behaviors, because you only pick a couple, right. um, then that would get us to our, um, you know, the behaviors we're trying to measure. And if things were like a little bit, like if we were actually on the court and really looking at like what things there were to best influence, like bringing up the level of female entrepreneurship success, then, then we could really get on the court. Cause then we could say like, all right, Lynn, like you take everybody to the thing, the dumb thing about feelings. And you talk about how everybody has post-traumatic penis disorder or whatever it's called. And then I could be like, let's change these three factors and we could see which would have the biggest result. And then we could see who was right. Um, that is totally not how I was even looking at this as some kind of experiment <laughs> because <laughs> the whole point of the book is that you use all six kinds of influence. That's fair. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So the conversation wasn't like, let's run an experiment where we have <laughs> a control group. Be better. We have an, we have a control group. The control group just keeps doing what they're doing. This group gets lectured from Allie about how they should grow a penis and be more strong. And then this Aww. group goes with Lynn to braid hair and burn penis candles. Like that's not what I was talking about <laughs> at all. Braid pubic hair. <laughs> oh, by the way, I want to tell you, pause this conversation. We brought up on the last podcast that we want to make ladies room Oracle cards and Riley and I were talking about Oracle cards this week. And she said, can you make your own Oracle cards? Because I'm thinking of doing some, and I think we could recruit her to do the art. All right. But we might have to wait until she gets a little older for some of the cards for them to be appropriate. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want my 13 year old drawing penises. I might have to get All a different right. artist for that one. Fair okay. Anyway, coming back to this conversation. So inside our thing, I think part of why we were at cross purposes um, in the previous podcast is we were both talking about different kinds of influence, but it's not one or the other. It's all six. Like there's six sources of influence, which is kind of a spoiler for the third um, key to influencing change. And to really influence change, you have to pull in all six. That was, okay. that's one of the big takeaways from the book is you can't do just one thing. It doesn't work. Right. So, um, so anyway, it, number two is identifying vital behavior. So e examples from the book, um, the one I gave where we talked about the a hospital wanted to reduce deaths. Um, one of the vital behaviors that they identified was hand-washing. Like they realized there was, so there's a lot of work in identifying these vital behaviors. You can't just guess. Um, or you can guess and see if you're right or wrong. This is where the experimentation comes in. Um, but we know from science that hand-washing is a vital behavior for reducing um, medical errors or medically, whatever they call those kinds of deaths, right? Where like it didn't need to happen. It wasn't because of the disease, something went wrong. Someone got the wrong drugs or whatever. So one of the vital behaviors was um, hand-washing. And that was really interesting because when we talk about the influence, one of the things was, um, empowering like a janitor to challenge a doctor if they notice the doctor didn't wash his hands. 
or, you know, like a lower status staff member challenging a higher status, quote unquote, staff member, like, Hey, you didn't wash your hands. And that was one of the ways they brought in influence, the six influences, because they knew washing hands was vital behaviors. Um, and like with the, uh, the guinea worm disease, the parasite one, the vital behaviors were like, not, uh, scrupulously cleaning your cooking dishes and staying away from the water. If you're an infect, have an infection, like, so these vital behaviors. So that's number two. So the first one, you figure out what you want to accomplish in a really laser focused way, an outcome and how well, it has to be measure super it. measurable. Yep. And how you're going to measure it. And then the second thing is you identify the vital behaviors, like the hand washing of whatever you're doing. Um, and then you use, I mean, I would say in your earlier example that like how much marketing is being done, if the focus was in money, like what that's what you're measuring, but the vital behaviors are like the, the lead measures, right? Yeah. Well, you identify the vital behaviors and then you measure them. Okay. So there's like kind of an overlap because you figure out what you want to measure by identifying the vital behaviors. Okay. Um, and then they also, um, they say like, when you're talking about measuring, you, you have to really be careful about what you measure because, um, like the example on this website I'm looking at, they said, if you want to measure, if you're trying to reduce sexual aggression and you measure, um, the number of sexual assaults that are reported, you might actually be at cross purposes because you might make people afraid to report the assault. So there's a drop in reports, but it doesn't change what you're actually trying to, right. like, yeah, you have to be careful. So this is actually one of the hardest parts I would say is like figuring out these high leverage behaviors that are going to have the huge impact. Like from your thing last week about making a business plan, for example, mm-hmm. you know, all right. And so then it gets into, so then once you know what behaviors you want to influence in order to get your result. Then you bring in all six sources of influence and the six sources of influence make this little matrix where there's two columns of two drivers of of human behavior. Do I have the motivation to do something? Is it worth it for me to do this? And do I have the ability to do something? Can I, can I do this? Those are the two drivers. And then the three domains are personal, social, and structural. So like personal motivation, personal ability, social motivation, social ability, structural motivation, structural ability. Um, And if you want to change vital behaviors, you have to bring in all six of these. So it's not just enough to say, okay, you're missing a skill if there's no support in their peer group, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I wanted to talk about, about what each of those are, but I don't want to make this like Lynn says a little lecture from a web page, and then, <laughs> and, then we, and then we say, "See you next time in the ladies' room." So, so now um, we'll talk about crows. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Yes. Well, I, I do. I have seen the big one that I want to make friends with. Uh, he has a pretty big territory. I've seen him at the grocery store. All right, maybe he can get you money and groceries. Maybe. He's not that far, as they say, as the crow flies, like just because it takes me a while to get to the grocery store for real, it's not a joke. <laughs> like you, you think, oh, the grocery store is so far away, but he doesn't have to go down the street. He can just come straight there. It's true. 
He doesn't Very have to true. park. He doesn't have to watch out for snowbirds. <laughs> that being the most dangerous of yes. all things. He doesn't right. have to worry about the construction at the corner. He can just fly here and then he can fly to the grocery store. Okay. Hooray. Maybe I could train him to bring me a Starbucks. That would be well worth having a grow. See, now you're, you're like, oh yeah, he would be useful. And now I know, I know how I wish that everybody, I wish I could have recorded every snarky comment you've made to me since that podcast about how I think there should be a point to something. And you're like, (laughs) I just want to be friends with it. But I think I finally managed to frame it up in a way that your hostility has ebbed a little. (laughs) You're like, how, what's it going to do for you? What favors (laughs) are you going to get from this thing? Just like what favors do I get from the hummingbird who builds a nest in my yard? I just like it. Yeah. But does the hummingbird like do your taxes? What's the point of the hummingbird? The, the point is it amuses you. That's fine. That's good enough for me. Pretty close at least. Yeah. It's like the main reason to keep any pet. I'm not going to tell fat baby that he might be very sad. I mean, he doesn't, I don't do think anything. I keep fat baby for my amusement at this point. I think fat baby is totally running the show in a way I would rather not look too closely at. He now keeps you for his amusement. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, in the talking dog realm, Otter finally got a mad button and used it immediately. Um, because he's an adolescent now she knew it was time for a mad button because he said, happy, all done. <laughs> When she happy told him all no. done. What does that she, mean? He wanted to go. Oh, outside. like he's not happy anymore. He right. needs a mad button. He, yeah, she she's like, this is when you know they need a mad button because he was expressing himself by saying happy all done. <laughs> like, yep, <laughs> you're mad. <laughs> yep. I'm That's, pissed off and I want everybody to know that shit. Happy all done. Um, she also posted the other day that uh Bunny, the dog, is a very sensitive dog. She's like a reactive, highly sensitive dog. And they had kind of a hard day. And at the end of the day, Bunny said, feel all done, feel all done, like two times in a row. And she's like, are you just over it? Like, she's just like, I'm totally over this day. That's what I said yesterday too. I like that yeah. dog. Feel all done. Well, you never <sighs> want to feel anything. So that's fair. I want you to know, Never mind. I already told you that story. But you didn't tell it on the podcast. Well, I was just very, I was very empathetic this weekend. And then I was complimenting myself on my personal growth. And then you were like, the fact that you have to compliment yourself is part of the problem. Well, I didn't say it was part of the problem. It was just amusing to me. <laughs> it like, was am- Look how I used my empathy. I didn't even freak out. I just knew what to do and all used all my empathy and it was fantastic. Yeah, And And then I put empathy on the bottom shelf in the back behind all the shit I don't need for a while. Yep. (laughs) That's what was so entertaining (laughs) about it. That's what was so entertaining about it. You were like, I empathied so hard. I I was like the Olympic silver medalist. Like you're not going to over compliment yourself. I'm the Olympic silver medalist of empathy today. (laughs) <laughs> I gotta I'm more I would probably be like I got a bronze star for empathy but it was still pretty impressive I'm I am the first alternate on the empathy team going to the Olympics 
I got last place on the team they didn't let go to China, but my name was still on the list. Give me a prize. My name was on that list. I agree with all the people on social media who say that we should start every Olympic event with a normal person, just like a normal average person doing the thing so that we could <laughs> really appreciate <laughs> what's that what's that sport where there's like circles on ice and people are like oh curling. shoving some ball into a nut like a pole you know what i'm talking about the one where they broom that's curling no, there's no broom i don't think there's a broom there's one where they sweep like, the ice they, they push they push a stone and then they the other people on the team sweep the ice to make it more slippery to try to get it to go into the circle and knock the other people's stones and yes what is that yeah. curling curling yeah that's a sport and wrestling isn't a sport i mean that's some shit i just learned about a new sport that i'd never heard of called skeleton um which is so picture bobsledding you know how dangerous that is where you go like rocketing down and you can only steer a little bit in skeleton you go down on your belly head first and you can't steer at all (laughs) you can only steer by moving your body around oh wow like that's insanity yeah great but don't sign me up for that right i i I just i can't really get i used to like figure skating but most of the olympics someone said on social media this week i love all this all the winter olympics going down a hill on one piece of wood going down a hill on two pieces of wood going down a hill in a piece of wood it's all great (laughs) (laughs) as long as we're going down the hill yeah, going downhill using wood somehow. Okay, coming back to influence. Um, I don't know what, I guess we could just talk about what the different things are. Um, should All we just right. go down the list and make this a pendant, pendantic podcast? I don't know what pedantic means, but like okay. Tiki. tiki? No, Tichi. Here, I'll read you. Tichi. I'll, I will read you the definition of pendantic. I think we've already crossed the line where this podcast is not going to achieve that. No, of or like a pendant. See, isn't that helpful? (laughs) Huh. That's just what I was thinking that meant. A a pedant. Pedantic. Pedantic. A A pedant is a person who is excessively concerned with minor details and rules or with displaying academic learning. All right. Lecture is what it means, really, basically. Learn us. All right. So I'll probably interject shortly. Yes, please do. Accomplished. Please do. Um, Okay. So, personal motivation. And what's interesting to me about this is when we look at the six sources of influence, we tend to use just kind of like one or two of them whenever we try to affect change, which is why most, and I say we as like humankind. Um, which is why most attempts to affect change fail so miserably because we only change like one or two of them. Um, So the first one is one of our favorite ones to try to influence, which is personal motivation. Um, Like help people love what they don't want to do. Help them want to do something. That's what that is. Um, Okay. And according to this Cliff Notes version of the book that I'm barely able to read because I don't have my reading glasses on, it says... um, (laughs) You use four tactics here, which is offering freedom of choice, making abstract visions tangible, telling compelling stories, and gamifying vital behaviors. So we do, I mean, I do that for myself all the time, right? Like I got coached this week about the fact that I have so many ideas right now. 
I, I'm overwhelmed about what to put. I have so much stuff I want to teach on my social media that I'm not teaching anything. Cause I'm like, I don't know where to start. Um, right. and, and my friend coached me. She's like, just make a game of it. You love games. Like write them all on a card and pull a card. And it reminded me that I bought that bingo spinner. So I'm going to put all my ideas next to a bingo number and I'm just going to turn the bingo thing and pull a bingo ball and then just post about that. So <laughs> gamifying the behavior. Um, all right. Any, any thoughts on personal motivation? Um, I not even one, isn't that just like super obvious? I mean, that's the most obvious one, right? Okay. All right. So we're going through the grid. So remember the columns are motivation, ability, and then the rows are personal, social, structural. So we've done the first one. So the second personal one is personal ability. So this one is all about skills. This is about developing either technical skills, interpersonal skills, whatever kind of skills a person needs in order to do um, the vital. Wait, I think we should stay with motivation and go all the way down. Oh, okay. And then go over to ability and go all the way down. All right. Well, you're like making motivation is like, is it worth it? Right. Like it says in the little thing, but that's yeah. the like, personally, when I look at everything, is it worth it? Okay. So um, you're going to make me skip around the page, but that's fine. I can roll with it. So we did personal motivation. So the next one is social motivation, which is um, like our peers provide us with um, encouragement. So or, I'm good. this works the opposite too, right? Or discouragement. Right. Yeah. Or discouragement, like stop doing that. Like, so to loop this in a little bit with what we are talking wear about, a mask, personal asshole. motivation. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm finally an asshole. No, but like, no, no, I said, with- no, no. I said like wear a mask asshole would be an example of, asshole. yeah. Like that would be an example of social motivation. Like it's good to wear a mask. I'm wearing masks because my neighbor would wear masks. That kind of, that's a good, that's an example of social motivation. I've that's been good. really wanting to talk to you about if we're still wearing masks today, but I didn't have time. So we can talk about that later. We can leave it for another day, but it's a good example, but we didn't yes. do a very good job. We did not do a very good job of using social motivation to get people to wear masks. Yes. So like wanting to be accepted and respected in our peer group is um, what social motivation is. Or, or even just having people going like, yeah, let's do it. We're doing it together. Yay. I think, well, do beliefs, like cultural beliefs fall into that too? Because I think there's a lot of cultural beliefs about women and business that fall into like personal, this personal area, or I mean, into the social area. Um, oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Like that's one of the things that actually works against us because, um, sometimes your behaviors get social, like, uh, dings, like social, whatever you want to call it, bad social, like, don't do that. Don't talk, don't leave the house, you know? So you have to make sure that the, the, social motivation around them actually encourages the, in, the behavior that you want. All right. And then the next one, and I have to admit that I, I kind of stop understanding this as well. The structural ones don't make as much space. The structural motivation one me- makes the least sense to me. This is the one I love the most. I, I'm not, I don't say I don't like it. 
structural ability, I understand, structural motivation. The difference between social motivation and structural motivation kind of eludes me a little bit. Um, although the way that this, this website breaks it down, maybe I, um, and it might be what you were just talking about. So structural motivation is about um, what they call the economy, but not necessarily what we think of as the formal economy. Um, yeah, like so the reward system. The reward, yeah, this is the reward system. So this is the rewards, punishments, incentives, disincentives. Um, I think there's gotta be a lot of overlap between structural motivation and social motivation. Like social currency can actually be spent in the real economy sometimes. So um, I don't disagree with you, but I do think they're really different because when you look at just changing the, the actual motivations around something for sure the social motivation is so strong that it's its own separate thing it's true but, i agree with you and i think there's a place where they overlap a little bit but I mean, yeah when that's you think probably not untrue especially depending on what you're talking about right you know like what what the end goal is and of course whenever you involve sexuality like of course that's going to be part of it right like but, when you think about what when you think about like a literal old boys club, like a club where people used to go to conduct business. Um, So entree to that club is very much about your social currency. But once you're in that club, then you've got some rewards for being there and behaving a certain way. So like you're rewarded socially, but you're also rewarded economy or economically for, um, you know, that, that same thing. That and I, I think a lot of times when I talk about the influence that doTERRA had on me, I'm talking about the structural, the structural piece is what changed more than any of these other pieces, because most of us are locked into such complex structures around how we work that it doesn't matter what else is happening by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Work is so complexly constructed of structure, right? And the trade into structure and often not even as much around results that like that is the biggest breakdown. And, and in my opinion, when we start looking at work, the biggest point to leverage. Right. Yeah. Because you're talking about literal rewards and punishments when you talk about structural motivation. So we have personal motivation, which is like, I like this. It's pleasurable to me. Social motivation. I belong to the group when I do this behavior and structural motivation. I'm rewarded when I do it and I'm punished when I don't. Yep. So that breaks down motivation really cleanly. So now when you move over to ability, um, personal ability is just purely about skills. Do I have the proper technical skills? Do I have the appropriate, like what we call soft skills, you know, interpersonal skills, communication skills, whatever I need to do. Um, I think that one is easy to understand, right? That's like training. Yep. And then social ability is, um, uh, how does the social group help me with my problems? Like my, the problems I'm working on are so difficult. I can't do them. There's no amount of skill that I can do it by myself. So how does the group work together for these interdependent tasks? Like, how do I get assistance? How do I assist other people? How does the group divide up the work so that it gets um, done? And, and like, that's like, how does the group support me adopting these behaviors? Mm-hmm. So like, um, that could be, and, and I feel like there's a little bit of overlap between that and motivation too, because 
if you remind me to do something, I'm getting social motivation and social ability at the same time, right? Like I'm connecting with you through the reminder, assuming it's, you know, pleasant, but also you're reminding me, it's helping me remember to wash my hands, for example. Yes. So that's social ability. And then the last one, the structural ability, this one, I, 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 this one, I understand so clearly. And it's one of my favorite ones, which is literally changing the environment, the cues, the, um, the, the structure of equipment, all these different things, physical proximity, moving people together, changing the space around to support the vital behavior. This is one of my favorite things when I go on to teams, um, when I used to help software teams, a lot of times um, changing space and equipment and stuff was enough to, to affect huge change, it, like big obstacles of, of like this person and this person work together, but they are on opposite sides of the building. So you move them closer together or they don't have a whiteboard and you put a whiteboard and now they have all this ability to brainstorm. They weren't brainstorming at all. And then we put a whiteboard in the middle of the room with plenty right. of markers. Um, so, and a lot of times this is one of the, I consider this one a lot of times in corporate America, one of the stupidest, lowest hanging fruits. Like why, I, I remember reading a book about um, agile software development where they had this beautiful conference room and again, no whiteboards. And they had a difficult time and they had this beautiful art up and they just insisted, no, it needs to look nice. It needs to look pretty, but the team couldn't function. So they just started writing on the glass of the pictures <laughs> and then they got the whiteboards they needed. But it was just such a dumb, like the space didn't support the work that needed to be done, but they refused to change the space for other stupid reasons that had nothing to do with right. what they were trying to accomplish. So well, those and you the- can see good examples. And like, I mean, when I was, in my twenties going around, you know, fixing stores that weren't functioning, you know, the first thing you do is clean the, clean everything from top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just this, that's a new tone. It's like the window, you know, the cleaning mm-hmm. up the subways and those stories, right. No broken yeah. windows. Yeah. Like, um, uh, Thomas Keller, one of the top chefs in the whole world. Um, he's, he's well known for his commitment to excellence. And in his kitchen, the rule is your olive oil bottle can't have any drips on it. Like your olive oil bottle has to be pristine at all times. Um, and then they have some other things about how your, your apron should be dirty, but your sleeves are clean, that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. that olive oil bottle is like kind of the focus point for everyone to keep their station clean all the time. Yeah. And then everyone, and then everyone around you is doing the same thing. So that's kind of a, a social ability also, right. Or maybe that would be social motivation. You're looking and everybody like the peer pressure of it, I guess that's social motivation. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to talk about this because now when we go back to the conversation about women entrepreneurs, then we can say, okay, let's talk about what the vital behaviors are. And then how would we measure that? And then when we look at a vital behavior, let's talk about what, what are the missing sources of influence? You know, is it a skills match? Is the economic rewards and punishments misaligned? I mean, we know for sure in a lot of cases that that's absolutely true, right? Um, I just thought it would give an interesting, a more interesting, um, I don't know, just like handles for us to have these bigger conversations. So, Yes. I was going to go on a tangent, but okay. I do want to, so the thing that I've been most like on it about is the, what is it called? 
I jokingly called it the penis stress disorder, but patriarchy, patriarchy stress, stress disorder. Okay. So where does that fit into your influence? I would like say into that this that, matrix or how that, would you like fits, to see it used? I would say that fits heavily in social motivators because women are, um, are, uh, culture. What's, why do I always forget this word? It's not socialized, but it's socialized. So we're socialized to not do certain things and we're socialized to do other things. And um, some of the behaviors you need to be successful in business and entrepreneurship run against what we're socialized and maybe even structural motivators, like what we're rewarded or punished for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so going in and changing that, and it might be just as simple as like, okay, you're going to need to surround yourself with other women who are doing this same thing because your ability to want to connect with the group, like your source of um, trying to think about hormones. So like dopamine is the, the motivation thing. That's like the personal motivation that's super pleasurable, but um, we get uh, shoot. There's like, um, I can't think serotonin is our connection to the group. One of the things that we get serotonin from. So if we're heavily punished and like we're deprived of serotonin for stepping out of line, we might need to just be in a group that like gives us serotonin for doing the things that we're trying to do that are against our conditioning. Um, And I would say it also is in the structural motivators. And I would say it also is structural ability. Like when we talked all about invisible women and how um, like the, the 75% of unpaid care work and travel when you're encumbered and all these um, different things, that's your structural ability. Like a woman's space, traditional space doesn't support these entrepreneurial tasks either. So it's kind of all over all six things, but in different textures. So it's not just enough to go after, like, you don't have these skills. That's true. But if you build just the skill that they're missing and don't address the other five boxes, you're like, it's, it's almost like a weight, right? Like you have the new behavior on one side and each one of these six sources is a stone. So you have to have at least four or at least three for it to be even, you know? So if you put like a stone on the new side, but you don't address the stones on the old side, you're never going to tip towards those key, uh, what do we call them? Vital behaviors. So like Mm -hmm. even making a business plan, you could teach the skill of making a business plan, but if it feels so shitty to like be, you know, out there in a way you're not supposed to be, then that is, the skill alone doesn't serve, but on the flip side, you could feel great about having a business, but if nobody teaches you how to do a business plan, then you're not going to get there. So it's really about bringing all of the six sources of influence to these behaviors that will drive more success for women. I do think that there's a way to talk about like, Hey, don't be a dumbass, And you should obviously do the things that Ali said you should do that are just part of being a successful entrepreneur. Like, I think I could bring a lot of all those different factors from that perspective. Also, I'm not being, I'm partly joking and it's partly tongue in cheek, but like, I think it, like, we're both looking at the, like in this, in the conversation last week, in this conversation, like you could extrapolate like women, like a different perspective about what the solution is and still apply influence. I think you would still get like these different six categories, I think you could still get a result from both of them. 
from both of what? I totally lost the thread on from your... both perspectives. So if oh, you and I both have a hundred women and I'm like, let's all not be dumbasses. Let's do blah, blah, blah. And that's my perspective. Like women, women are whatever, like not doing these key activities that will pr- promote success. Like I can fit that into all s- these six categories of influence and like how I'm interacting with women. Like I could, I could go like, let's just take the business plans. Like women aren't doing the basics, um, market testing. Right. So I could bring social influence to that. Yeah. Like I could bring, you know, that in a meeting and a group teaching women, teaching other women, like whatever. No, I say, I, you, I would say you have to, and not just that you could, but that if you just sat them down and said, you need to do a business plan, that's not enough. So you would have to bring yeah, in there, some of these I mean, other, there's like a tipping point, right? You get enough of these different things, enough of it happening at least a little bit. Cause you could, in, like, I can have social influence with one person directly. It doesn't have to be like broad. So like one person can influence another person socially. It's harder to influence a movement like that. Um, yes. And I would say it still wouldn't be enough. Like it really does need to hit all six to be, but it could be something as simple as like you sitting down and going, here's 20 business plans that other women have written. And then that would bring in social motivation, like encouragement. Yeah. You could definitely optimize that. I agree. Yeah. But like the way it was landing for me when you were talking about it last week was just in the personal ability box. Like, well, they need to do business plans. Okay. Maybe I know that. Maybe I agree. But if my personal motivation, social motivation, structural motivation, social ability, and structural ability are off kilter, then that new personal ability, skill, and knowledge is not enough to change my behavior. So, I mean, I think there's natural things happening inside. I want to start a business. Like I want to be successful. I'm investing financially. Like there's already some things happening inside influence Mm -hmm. that I think you could capitalize on. So I don't know if it's that black and white, but obviously like we want to see people taking, I mean, if I want somebody to have different result, the more of these I can hit on the better obviously. Yeah. Yeah, That's the Um, whole point. And also identifying those really vital behaviors. Like that would be the place to run the experiments. Like what's the, is a, is a a business plan a vital behavior more than market research? Is that a more vital behavior than, um, I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of what they are. Pick between those. Well, they do recommend picking like two or three, but I'm saying that would be like, anytime you did this, you would just be guessing what the vital behaviors are. So this would be the place to play is the vital behaviors. Like maybe a business plan is a vital behavior and maybe it's not. The only way to know would be to see if you got the results from it, but you would pick that as a vital behavior and then use the sources of influence to get women to do the business plan in this, if we were using this structure. So like if we wanted to keep it super simple and say this year, we're going to help 100 women hit their first six figure year in their business the vital behaviors that we pick are business plans, writing business plans and doing market research um, and making 20 offers a month, for example. Then we would use the six sources of influence to see, to get people to do those three vital behaviors that we picked. And then at the end of the year, we would look and see and go, well, gosh, we, it turns out that 20 offers wasn't important at all. 
and, or maybe market research wasn't import, as important. It looks like the business plan and making more offers was more important than market research because like we got the market research for free when we did 50 offers a month instead of 20. For example, that's the place to play is figuring out what the vital behaviors are. And when you read the book, um, that's one of the things they talk the most about is like a lot of the work is in le- figuring out what the high leverage behaviors are like hand washing or in the, um, in the example of reducing HIV in that one country, I think, I can't remember, I think it was Thailand. Um, it was getting sex workers to convince their customers to use condoms. That was like the number one leverage behavior, but they, they couldn't just guess at that. They had to actually try a bunch of stuff from like book into results and stuff to narrow in on that one. Yeah, but I think we could also like our two approaches and our two thought processes around how to get results in this particular case, like what's at the heart of the problem, like what's at the heart of what would cause the most progress and momentum are like so divergent that I think you could take two groups of women, you know, and have one build a plan to influence them around accomplishing like my approach. Hey, you know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, like here's the rules play by them, you know, essentially. And you could take yours of like, what's really in the way is all this, um, you know, patriarchy, stress disorder stuff that's creating space that women can't be successful or whatever. That's more important than what they're actually executing. No, and I we're never, go that's, after. Not my, that's not my position. My position is you have to do both. Like you can't just do, you can't just say, here's the way to do business. Because then you're not looking at all six sources of influence. This is where we have the disagreement because you're putting me in the position of we sit around in Kumbaya and that fixes it. And that's not my position at all. But if you I know you want to hug things in Kumbaya more than anything else. Lynn. No, it's absolutely not fucking <laughs> true. Um, it's not fucking true. It's Especially if there's true. other people involved. But um it's, it's, you can't have, you have to have both. So there might be a conversation about what the vital behaviors are, but you can't just say, here's how to do business, go do it alone. And you can't just say, here's how to feel better about doing business alone. You have to do all of it, which is the point I was trying to make to you last week. Okay. You have to do all of the influencing things because some of the obstacles to women are these social motivators, social structural motivation, structural ability, all of that is in the way. But I still was saying like, whatever's in the way, fine. It's in the way. But I think if you put enough like influence around executing on things that have been shown to impact success in business, that you could get a very clear result. And I think you think that you have to do both, but I'm not sure I agree with that. So now you're mixing them. Because the things that you're calling to be successful in business would be the vital behaviors and trying to get people to do those vital vital behaviors is where all the sources of influence come in. Like structural motivation isn't a vital behavior. It's a way to get someone to do the vital behavior. So if you have business plans as the vital behavior, you still have to look, you can't just sit people down and go, Hey, dumbass, do a business plan. That's personal ability only. You have as to look soon as we all... get off this call, I'm going to call you and say that to you. I mean, I know it's what you think. Just like I told you last week, it's that you hate women. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that you have to be able to like diverge like, okay, see, 
the problem with what you're saying is like, I get to keep both. And I think that you can solve an impact without the one thing, like just on the one side of it, like, like without the perspective of like women are held back by anything other than education experience. Let's say I believe that, which I don't, but let's say I did. Like, if that was my perspective, I think I could have an impact by itself. And your, your opinion is that it has to be way more like inclusive of all the things that impact women in business, including like all the emotional side and all these different pieces. And like, I don't know that we have to take it all on that holistically to have an impact. That's all. My opinion is multiple sources of influence to get people to change their behavior is the only way that you get people to change their behavior. Right. But either of us could isolate. I'm like, you could just focus on a group of women and patriarchy stress disorder and bring influence there. And I could just focus on the things I think women should do in business and get, and use all the points of influence and get a reaction there. No, you're just mixing and matching. Like the stuff I'm bringing in when I say about the stuff from patriarchy stress disorder is a source of influence, not a vital behavior. You're mixing and matching. So you're like, I could take a vital behavior and I could bring all the influence. You could turn the vital behavior. Like that's not true because when you talk about patriarchy stress disorder, it's about like all the actions around dealing with and synthesizing that, that are important to it. Like when we've talked about it so far, give an example that that didn't make sense. Like it had, like you're essentially saying, at least in my understanding that patriarchy stress disorder causes these things that bring, that have, that bring barriers, right? There's like a like, for example, women don't, if this is true, women don't feel safe being successful. Yeah. Take that one, for example. And there's like, uh, something to do to deal with that, something to get integrated, something to do whatever. And that piece of what to do as a response to that and the education and the response to it, like that's the vital behavior. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Okay. What do you think the vital behavior is? So even in your example, I'll just take your, your vital behavior. Let's say, let's no, let's take a neutral vital behavior. No, I want you to tell me what one is related to patriarchy stress disorder. There, there aren't the, that's all about influence. That's all about influencing to change behavior. So there's things that need to be done in order to run a business. And they might not be the things that you're saying. There might be different things that work well for women, maybe having, you know, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to try to speculate, but your position as I was understanding it is let's just take a business plan. Women need to write a business plan. Okay, great. How do you get them to do it? Well, you just tell them to do it. That's how you sound to me. And I'm saying like, there's a lot more to that because these, all of these six sources of influence, including social motivation and structural motivation and structural ability for that matter, or, and social ability, because getting assistance, like women don't get as much assistance either. All of those things need to be brought into play in order to get them to do the thing that you want them to do to get their business going. Just telling them, here's some stuff you need to do is not enough. And I wasn't ever proposing that's all you have to do, but I think that those key structural things in place will have a greater impact than whatever we've been talking about on your side that now I have even less understanding of. I'm talking about the six sources of influence. That's why I wanted to talk about influence on this. And we apparently made no progress. 
<laughs> well, we have so, talked about the six sources of influence. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, going to because- go drink a bottle of wine now. I know. And my in-laws are here. So I got to go right from this into in-laws being here. Um, um, no, you have you a list of, you have more than one in-law there. Yeah. Eric's sister is here and his mom and niece. Oh, and I they, had no idea that Eric's sister was there. Yeah. They, That's why I was they, like, what's happening? Yeah. They've been like making all kinds of noise outside the lady room, ladies room door, which is part of why I'm a little unfocused, but, um, how it's been landing for me and maybe this isn't how you mean it and we can just like sit down and braid each other's hair under a tree not in two it's not no pubic hair but okay that you can sit under but um it's not enough to go you have to do these behaviors dummy <laughs> which is what it sounds like like there's so much more there's so much influencing of women of course like i i'm behaviors. a galvanizer i know that like uh, but i'm saying like if i can affect the result of having those things done, just focused on that, that I don't know if I have to address the patriarchy stress disorder to get the result. That's all I was really saying. I mean, you're, but you're begging the question because if you want to bring all six sources of influence to play on these behaviors, then the way you do it with women is unique because of all of the structural shit and the social stuff. I agree, but I don't Good, know stop if right I there. agree that the patriarchy <laughs> stress disorder piece is crucial. But that's how you influence. Like, if you want to bring social motivation influence, for example, to a woman that's been socialized in Western civilization, if you don't understand all that shit, you can't successfully do it. That's my position. Yeah, that's the part where you lose me because I think there's so many things that can cause that change and shifting that I don't think it has to be dealing with that on its face. I think it will. I think there's always issues around sexuality and family and anything that come up when you're dealing with entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is kind of like having a baby. It's like very holistic and involves, you know, your heart and your passion and all that stuff. And I still say, but at the end of the day, it doesn't nest. And I, and I think that those are like different, like different levels of dealing with whatever's in your way is important, but I don't think every woman has patriarchy stress disorder. If they grew up in the U S means we have to deal with X, Y, Z for women to get off their feet and be significantly more successful in business than they are. Then you would have to make a very compelling argument about how you would bring those sources of influence without taking that into account i will Especially sit everybody's dumbass down and explain how stupid they are to do business without doing those key things yeah that's you working personal ability only i'm serious that's you working on just that is actually thing. not true because there's a lot of things that happen because if you you can bring in structural change around that you can bring bring in social influence you can bring in everything just around that and i think somebody who wants that business is already bringing a tremendous amount of personal motivation to that they are bringing personal motivation and you're giving them personal ability and you're leaving the other four on the table i'm not and also it's because so a business plan is a structure it's all no that's not what a structure that's not what structure is structure is outside of you your own business yeah, I plan. I think is there still- are like a lot of things that could easily be put in place around that, that are really structural. Like, obviously you would have to go like, okay, we're going to participate in a plan. Everybody's going to sit down and we're going to accomplish X. 
we're going to talk about it. We're going to see what's in. like, you can put things around it to make it more influential. I was never saying like on its face, like that's the only piece of it. And what I'm saying, and it's so interesting too, that we're arguing on a book that you haven't even read and you have a very strong position about, um, that I have listened to the book multiple times, however, although not, no, 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 not the influence book, the patriarchy stress disorder book. Oh yes. Which you have consumed zero minutes of, but you're still very sure is dumb and wrong and doesn't apply to all women. Um, if you don't take into account the stuff she talks about, your ability to bring social and structural motivation or influence to a woman is not as effective. But that's only, okay. Whether or not I've read the book, that's only accurate if she's right on those, all the premise and you're, if you're right on that premise. Yes. And I've generally disagreed with that, with the premise overall, but you haven't read the book. So your position is based on shit. But it isn't because I'm talking, I absolutely believe you can affect change with women in business without dealing with like, just only like all this is in your way because you're a woman and you've been influenced by this male system. All right. You know, I mean, there's women who have spent their whole lives being successful in business who've never been like, well, um, I have patriarchy stress disorder. And it wasn't until I overcame that, that I could be successful in business. No, there's plenty of bitches just like you writing books called Lean In that tell you to act like a man. You're the worst. <laughs> no. And because it's, doing it's a not... business plan, like doing a lot of these things are really, they're gender neutral activities. I wish you would have talked about the next set of statistics about the things women take on and don't take on, because I think a lot of it has to do with experience. And that becomes a really different playground where I think we have a lot more common ground. Possibly, but I still think the what is not very interesting without the why and how, because you can force someone. I mean, I've been successful in corporate jobs and miserable because I, I know how to play a game effectively and I'm miserable and my health suffers and my relationships suffer and I'm super successful, but miserable. So sure. We can take a whole bunch of women and we can, we can teach them, you know, get the, dig the book hardball for women out of the nineties and say, this is how you play the game in order to be successful and win. And then watch them all develop. Um, what's the thing? Uh, autoimmune disorders and depression, anxiety, and all kinds of things and drug abuse. That's what's happening. So yeah, you can be quote successful, but at what cost to your humanity? Yeah. And I don't think that that like you're making it that such a black and white argument that it's a little bananas to me well like, I mean yes I'm, you like that and also that's really like super based on your experience like we all know women who are have flourishing businesses that are really happy and have figured out how to make that work for themselves and men too and I know men who have businesses that are absolutely miserable just like you know women who have businesses are absolutely miserable yeah, this isn't only about women. All of this shit is not only about women. And also, I think when we look at entrepreneurship, it's really different than when we talk about workplace experience. Because I think entrepreneurship is the closest access to breaking the mold. When I step into corporate America, I find this infinitely more applicable and infinitely more frustrating. Because there's so much structure influencing all the bullshit. They're like, there's all the pieces of influence 
are so active and so entrenched in corporate America that it's really, really different than stepping out into entrepreneurship. In my opinion, you can set things aside much more effectively. Yeah, that's reasonable. So I think some of my perspective is I've been an entrepreneur for most of 20 years and I've spent very little time in corporate America. Yeah. And so when I look at stepping out of that mold, like I'm not as influenced by it and I probably would be incredibly frustrated in most corporate spaces that I stepped into. Okay. I mean, I don't have anything else to say about it. The All right, this whole my... podcast, I really wanted you to talk about Bopta having two men over and then we can be done. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we can end the podcast with me describing how my mother-in-law is my nightmare Airbnb host. Like <laughs> if, if I went, yeah, like true. if I went straight to hell and they're like, <laughs> you're going to stay in an Airbnb the whole time, it would be an Airbnb hosted the way she hosts. Right. So, um, and, and it's nothing against her. Like she's not a nightmare, but her style of Airbnb is like straight out of my nightmares. I want to be super clear. Like she's a lovely person, Mm -hmm. but so she hosts the kind of Airbnbs where you stay there with the host. Right. So she's still there and people come and stay in her house. And then she also cooks breakfast for people and like Inter- this is where the nightmare comes in, right? Like if you're my Airbnb <laughs> host, I don't want to know that you even exist. I want you to tell right. me how to get in. I don't ever want to see you. Um, I might message you on the app, but I never want to see you. Like if I see your face, I'm having a terrible vacation. Um, but she, <laughs> <laughs> and not everyone feels this way. Like people who stay with her just think she's the greatest. She has right. all five stars. She's very proud. Like, I would go kicking and screaming, but at the end I would probably like it. Yeah. So she prepares the breakfast and they, you know, interact and she's about to host two strangers who are going to share a bathroom, which I'm like the hell. And Eric says, um, I, I would hate staying in an Airbnb while you're waiting outside the room where someone's taking a big dump. And I'm like, well, or worse, you're trying to peacefully take a big dump, knowing some strangers waiting for their turn in the bathroom. Right. So, yeah. um, she texted me the other day and said, you can't come over because I have two men here, <laughs> which, <laughs> Which we we haven't during COVID we haven't gone to her place when she's hosting people is really but um the gem show was just here and so during the gem show like people pitch a tent under a mesquite tree like there's no place to stay everything goes way up in price and the town is just overrun because the vendors alone there's like I don't know four or five thousand vendors that come into town and then wow. all the people that come to shop. Um, so she had two guys staying with her and she said they came with a trailer and they did all kinds of shopping at the gem show. Um, she sent me the picture of the guys and they're just like young guys, sleep tattoos, ear gauges. <laughs> it, was, it just was really entertaining. I mean, they were lovely. They were lovely guests. There was nothing like, I'm not judging them. And you can just picture like Bob to just like taking them in, grandmaing them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Making them like, the whole thing. She says, um, I got that new Keurig thing and she's all proud um and so she's got the that bagels new the curing thing from yeah. 10 years ago well I mean it's new at her house that's true you know and so um she's always making sure she has enough bagels and cream cheese and things I'm just like oh my gosh that Airbnb would be straight out of straight out of my nightmares yeah but people love in fact one person stayed with her and um 
like babysat her dogs one time and then they take her out for dinner as a thank you. They just, they think she's the greatest and she is, she's lovely. But when I'm going to an Airbnb, I don't want to stay with a Polish grandma. Fair enough. Right. She should probably label it like Polish grandma Airbnb experience. Like I, oh I my might gosh. actually sign she up could, for that. She could double her prices. Like, <laughs> and, and she could add like pierogi involved. I was going to say pierogi she, less than $5 yeah, million. Dollars, that, that's totally just what I was going to say. Like pierogi less than $250, you know, for sure. <laughs> she would sell the hell out of that. Um, yeah. She, but she just cracks me up and she loves to show me her. Um, she'll pull up her Airbnb and she'll show me like all the payments. Um, and she's all happy about that, which, you know, that's awesome for her. Yeah. And when she first moved here and found out how much she can rent, so, so she snowbirds, she only stays here in the winter. And when she first moved here and found out how much she could rent her place in the winter, she said, um, how about I stay at your place? We could rent my place for six weeks and split the money. I'm like, well, we'd have to use all the money for me to move somewhere else during those six weeks. So no, <laughs> you're, you're hilarious. You're missing like, the point. It's not um, going to work at all. Can't live with us for six weeks. Um, so yes, she is. Uh, and she's booked. She's booked yeah. pretty solid through most of the spring at yeah. Bopsha's Airbnb. All right. The Bopsha, what is it? Air, here. Air Bopsha B. Airbnb. Oh, no. There's got to be some better way. Airbnb. <laughs> Air um, but yeah, she's trying to. She says, "I've got to figure out a better breakfast." I said, "You don't have to serve them breakfast." Well, I do. I put it in my listing. I said, "Well, you can take it out of take your that, listing." Get out. <laughs> yeah, nobody's gonna care. And she clears off a space in the fridge. You know, here's yeah. your shelf. It would be no. No, I would have to be <laughs> no like a refugee not. or something before I lived in that kind of an Airbnb. It's wow. Circle of Airbnb hell for me. All right. That so end. on that note, bagels and babsha. <laughs> Babsha's Air B and Bagels. <laughs> bed Ooh. and bagels with Babsha. There we go. Triple B. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> This is now getting me back to the dating app. It's time to end this podcast. Yes. Okay. So on that note, we will see you next time. Hopefully less contentiously in the ladies room. (laughs) Contentiously. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thank you.